I have an unusual entrepreneur, a guru of mine, a yogi of mine, a mentor of mine from afar, and millions others, by the way. I am honored to have Sadhguru. He is here. Uh, blessings to you. Thank you so much. And before we start, Sadhguru, why I love you so much is, <laughs> is that the you know gurus and yogis of the world sometimes speak to a higher vibration or frequency than at least 87% of the masses can understand. And I think they're missing out. And, and I'm not bright enough or intelligent enough to transcode all the blessings that you put upon people so that we can unite in forgiveness and gratitude and accountability and peace and love. And I wanted to have you on your new book is outstanding, by the way, a yogi's guide to crafting your own destiny. And I'm a firm believer, we craft our own destiny. So I'm going to start with very simple questions to help the masses, the entrepreneurs who are going to change the world, understand this higher frequency uh, that some people may not have ever been exposed to. The first is, what is a yogi? Well, uh, to understand what is a yogi, but you were talking about how a whole lot of people speaking that most people cannot understand. Uh, what I understand is, the purpose of speech is to communicate something that whoever you're speaking to, they're supposed to understand. If I speak to you in a language that you don't understand, I don't understand why the hell I should be speaking to you. <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> and that connectivity is so important. <laughs> now, what is the point of speaking if uh, you are going to say something that someone cannot understand? But yet, we have so many great thought leaders so that... My, on one level, my important part of my work is uh, what is considered mystical, what is considered magical, to make it simple so that it becomes accessible. This is my work. But a whole lot of people have taken a mission upon themselves to complicate every simple thing and make ordinary things mystical. I'm trying to make mystical ordinary. <laughs> <laughs> and you're allowing people to access you. You know, I go on your Instagram lives. I'd love for you to go live with me sometime. But, you know, it reminds me of my mom when she says her grandkids don't talk to her. And I taught her to use Snapchat. I said, they don't use the telephone. Use what they use. Well, you're using these different platforms now to connect to the people who really we all need to connect and understand these mystical things. Let me uh, answer your first question, what is a yogi? Thank you. So the, the word yoga means union. Union means right now you have an idea that you are an individual. But your individuality is only a psychological reality. Existentially, there is no individuality. In the sense, right now, you and me are sitting here, we're breathing. We're breathing means we're constantly connected with everything that is this atmosphere. Our body is just the same soil that we walk upon the earth, is what we have eaten as food and it's here. So there is no such thing as individuality in the existence. Individual or individuality is a, a psychological reality we have created. But we are so invested in things what we have created, we're completely missing out uh, what is the creation itself? Right now, what's happening in people's minds has become more important than the entire cosmos <laughs> because <laughs> what their silly things that they're creating in their head has become far more important. So being, a, being in yoga means being in union, 
That means beyond your body, beyond your mind, in your experience, you clearly experience that everything is a part of you. Because that's a reality, that is not a philosophy, that is a reality. Modern science is telling you that everything is connected, every, uh, you know, subatomic particle is uh, constantly in communication with everything else. So, yoga means what science is trying to prove in a roundabout way, yoga means to experience that union within yourself. So, if you experience yourself as one with everything in the universe, then we say you are a yogi. You're doing some practice, you don't become a yogi, you become a yoga practitioner. But you become a yogi when your experience of life is in one with everything. So why this is important is, see, suppose you… wherever you are sitting, let's say for uh, just uh, five seconds, ten seconds or one minute you experience the entire world as a part of yourself. After that, do I have to teach you morality? Do I have to teach you don't harm people, don't rob people, don't kill people? Do I have to give you moral teaching? It'll become irrelevant. So all this moral teaching is like we are trying to fix people from the back door. Yoga means experientially you experienced everything as a part of yourself. After that, nobody has to tell you anything. What you see as a part of yourself anyway, you do your best to that. So it is a natural outcome of that, that is you carry your goodness effortlessly. If you are good because of your moral and ethical values, you will suffer immensely. Your own goodness you will suffer and of course others also will suffer your goodness. <laughs> and this reconciliation is so difficult to help people with. You know, I'm on a mission to empower over a billion people. Your mission is to empower the entire world. Uh, so, oh, I, if you I, take care of one, <laughs> if you take care of one, that lowers my target. <laughs> yeah, you can count on me. You can count on me. I'll, I'll take care of at least <laughs> at least one. I don't limit myself. The universe is. I live. Please between. find me. Find me other seven guys like you, David. <laughs> I'm looking, my friend. I'm looking. But <laughs> one of the challenges I have in communicating this empowering reconciliation, as I call it, is that people still live in this pragmatic world. They still have mortgages and children and colleges and all of the pragmatic things that tell themselves that they're separate. And, you know, my own children get frustrated with me when they have an ego based conscious thought. And I said, that's just separation. And they look at me like, oh, dad's crazy. You know, I, I, I still have a final tomorrow that I'm worried about. And I'm like, you're just wishing for what you don't want. Stop worrying. You're wasting energy. How do we teach people, you know, to live in the pragmatic world, the embodiment that they've been given? within the construct of man-made constructs, but yet pursue our higher self? See, uh, pragmatism is not a bad thing. That's what helps you to survive, that's what helps you to live, that's what gives you a foundation to stand on. So, it is never a bad thing. It is just that we are trying to think up a higher plane. Don't do that. What I would say is, see, one simple way of looking at it is like this. All this has happened because… because of religious teachings, because of moral teachings, which are mainly outcome of religious teachings, is we are trying… we have been trying to produce good people in the world. See, we must understand this. Our goodness is a consequence of we holding everybody beneath us. See, right now, I will say I am a good man. If I have to believe that I am a good man, I must have made uh, David and ten other people, they are not okay. Compared to them, I am a good man. 
If I were the only person on this planet, would I know that I am a good man? Right. So I am saying your goodness is a social comparison, which is of no consequence. In terms of your experiential life, you can be either joyful or miserable. When you're very joyful, when you are feeling wonderful, are you naturally wonderful to everybody and everything around you? So instead of trying to produce good people, we need to produce joyful and sensible people because when people are happy, they do the best things. When they're unhappy, they do miserable things to everybody else as because when you're capable of torturing yourself, you naturally want to share it with others. <laughs> so true. And, you know, understanding that we're an expression of the universe, the universe to me continually expands and grows and learns from itself. You talk about crafting your destiny. And in the term crafting, we have some sort of intent uh, of control, maybe. How do you uh, guide people to craft uh, through this creativity or expression? Uh, their own destiny, their own individual uh, perception of destiny. See, when we say destiny, there are many ways to look at it. When people say destiny right now, well, you became a rich man, people think that's their destiny. They became successful, they think that's their destiny. They… whatever, they had children, they had families, they had this, this, this. We are misunderstanding the arrangements that we make for our well-being as our destiny. See, you build a big house, you make money, you have a, a wife or husband or uh, you have children, you have wealth, all these arrangements you made in pursuit of your well-being, isn't it? Yeah. So essentially your destiny is in your well-being, how well are you? When I say how well are you, see in body, if you feel… Uh, very well in your body, then we say you are healthy. If you feel very pleasant and well in your body, this is health. If you feel very, very pleasant, then we say this is pleasure. If it… if your mind feels well, then we say this is peace. If it feels… if it feels very well, then we say this is joy. If your emotions feel well, we say, oh, love, it's love. If it feels very, very well, when then we say this is compassion. If your very life energies feel very well, then we say it's bliss. If it feels super well, we say this is ecstasy. If your surroundings have become really well, then we say this is success. Only for the last part, which is the success part, you need the cooperation of various forces in the world. Success cannot be achieved all by yourself. So, but what you call as success is just a pleasant arrangement around ourselves. Maybe a certain kind of home, a certain kind of atmosphere, a certain kind of place, certain kind of people, whatever, this is just an arrangement. This is… does it not really wellness, this is just one more platform or one more step towards wellness. But essentially, you being well means you're blissed out right now. Whether you're sitting, uh, you know, whether you're sitting on a very comfortable sofa or you're sitting on a rock, what does it matter? You're blissed out. On a rock, it's fine. What is the problem? There's really no problem. So, we are misunderstanding destiny as arrangement of life. 
I'm talking about destiny in terms of your essential wellness within you. If you want to feel well, you can completely craft it the way you want it. Because what happens within you, you can have it hundred percent your way. What happens around you will never happen hundred percent your way. Little bit your way, little bit my way, this is the nature of the world, all right? It can never be hundred percent my way or your way when it comes to the situation. But what's happening within me must be hundred percent the way I want it. If you are happening hundred percent the way you want it, your body, your mind, your emotion, your energies were happening the way you want, would you not keep yourself always blissed out? Wow. See, look at my eyes, I'm always stoned, never touched a substance, but all the time so stoned because I keep my chemistry the way I want it. No outside chemicals. This is the greatest chemical factory. If you manage this well... Um, and, and to that point, you know, I try to convey a message that we, as you said, we are health, uh, we are happiness, we are abundance. And one of the things I want people to think about is, let's figure out what we're doing to interfere. Give it all the miserable, all the miserable people, unhealthy people, they will attack you. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> and I pray for their happiness uh, when they attack me because uh, I've learned from you. Um, but if, if we try to figure out what's interfering, you know, you mentioned these chemicals. Too many people try to take chemicals to make themselves healthy instead of looking to see what's interfering with their health or interfering with their happiness and then getting that within so that they can have their contribution outside. Um, I love the collective consciousness description of we all get a little piece of a collective consciousness outside of us, but we are in control of our heart set, our mindset, and our own conscious being. Um, how do you inspire people or uh, have them focus on the interfering things, the separate things, the attacks, the judgments, the conditions, the illusions that I see interfere with what, you know, people who work with me, they already are. It's my job to help them clear away what they already are. See, uh, this is not by giving them a teaching or a philosophy or uh, even an ideology to believe in. This is by giving them tools. This is why I call it technologies for well-being. Giving them tools to transform their very chemistry. See, this is the greatest and the most sophisticated chemical factory on the planet. There's no question about that. The number of chemical reactions happening per second in this is more than all the chemical factories put together on the planet. That is how complex and sophisticated it is. Now the question is only, are you a great CEO or are you a lousy CEO? That's all the question is. If you are a great CEO, it will produce blissful chemicals for you. If you are a lousy CEO, it will produce miserable things for you. Life situations, well, they're never hundred percent the way we want it, doesn't matter what we do, always uh, there are many things which will not be the way we want. But if you are the way you want, if things around you are not the way you want, it… it is not a disturbing factor. Well, we will strive to create what we want in the world, but that is not going to decide the quality of your life. People ask me, Sadhguru, this many projects you have unleashed, mega projects, some of them are global. What… how do you know this will succeed? If it doesn't succeed, what will you do? 
I said, if it succeeds, it's good for the people. If it does not succeed, I will still die blissfully, I have no issue about it. Because what I do has nothing to do with me. Whether I do it or I don't do it, I'll still be the same way. Because we have the empowerment, we have the people, we have the necessary opportunity in the world, it's good for the world we're doing it. If it succeeds, it's good for everybody. If it doesn't succeed, it makes no difference for me. If it succeeds also makes no difference for me, because personally, I'm in the place I want to be, because I happen just the way I want. So, if you happen just the way you want, would you keep yourself blissful or miserable? <laughs> it's simple choices that become so complex. And I know you have created 300 centers worldwide with the Isha Foundation to help. Uh, maybe I should ask you, you know, what do you see as the purpose of the foundation and the 300 centers worldwide that you've built? <laughs> uh, you know, because that, that's a quite an undertaking and, you know, is there a purpose to it or is it just within you to extend and amplify the messages? Uh, see, the 300 centers are not the important part because uh, my interest in the world is not real estate. My real estate is in the minds and hearts of people. So, the buildings and the centers, these are just instruments of facilitation. Uh, without, you know, without a center, you can't uh, do many things. There are legal structures in every country. There are various aspects which you have to take care of being in the world. That's not the important thing. Let me tell you my problems. Can I share my troubles Please. with you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can help you. Maybe I can help you. <laughs> no, no, you already said you'll take up one billion people. That over, makes over. Don't limit me. Over one billion. Okay. <laughs> At least one billion if you take, I got uh, one Rest. billion less to handle, all right? When I was just twenty-five, this experience happened to me that I exploded within myself, where every cell in my body was dripping ecstasy. Then as I observed what is happening to me, I noticed if I don't mess with my mind, I'm just ecstatic. Then I thought it's so simple, if you simply sit here without doing anything, you will become ecstatic. And I knew this is true for everybody. I also tried it with a few people. When I could do that with them, they all became overflowing with ecstasy. Then I thought, this is it. The young fool that I was, I may have sat down and made a plan that in two and a half years' time, at that time the world's population was 5.6 billion people. I said, in two and a half years' time, I will make the entire world blissful. <laughs> Forty years, look at me <laughs> Well, uh, you know, last year, they are telling me we have touched over 1.83 uh, 1 billion people on the planet in that one year, last 2020. So, we have touched a certain number of people, but this is still not my idea of humanity. So, I know that I will die a failure, but I'm a blissful failure. I'm little less percentage now because you're taking one billion, that's not my concern. Which population are you taking? You tell me, I'll leave them alone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be At least re reduce my percentages of failure, you know? <laughs> I love that. In, in talking about failure, mistakes, uh, interference, void, shortages, obstacles that obviously that we create for ourselves, you know, 
How do you define those? Because a lot of people, you know, will say there are no failures. There's just lessons and these lessons keep on coming right from the Sanskrit. Oh, this has become very fashionable, particularly in America. Everybody says you must learn from your failures. Don't uh, uh, say failures are bad. You must have failures and you must learn. I told them all the best for you. I don't like to learn from my failures. <laughs> First thing, I don't like to fail. <laughs> you fail and you learn, <laughs> maybe you have a million-year lifespan. I know my lifespan is what I want to do, my lifespan is very, very brief. So, because of that, I cannot learn from failures. I don't want to fail and then learn. I want to learn before I do something, <laughs> all right? There is something like this. See, uh, there are some things you can't do it the second time, right? Like, uh, if you want to do skydiving, you don't do it second time right, all right? <laughs> I, I think li life is like skydiving, all right? <laughs> Either you're having, a, you're having a glorious fall or you're having a disastrous fall. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, and to, to that point as well, how best uh, do we learn the lessons? Uh, you know, is there a certain efficiency of learning lessons before we uh, act upon the thoughts that we have? See, all these things are coming from a certain approach of life. I don't think life is a school, school room where you have to go on learning lesson after lesson, okay? Even in the school room, I refuse to learn any lesson because the world is bursting with life. You're just another life. You have… Uh, people have a too big an image of themselves, too much about themselves. They don't understand if we… if somebody looks at us from five hundred feet above, we are just like ants crawling. Like you may step on an ant on the street and not even bother to look back. Just like that, if there was some big creature like a dinosaur, it would step on us. If you got half crushed and you begged, please cr crush the other half also, let me die the dinosaur would go on because you're just irrelevant. That's how we are on this planet, okay? Compared to the cosmic span, we are just a tiny piece of dust. But we think too much about ourselves, as if we are the center of the universe. I think some of these religious ideas have done this because religions have told people, you are the center of the universe, you are made in God's own image. All this stuff has kind of bloated human perception of themselves. See, if somebody else perceives me as uh, something phenomenal, it's fantastic. If I think I am a great phenomena, this is a sickness, all right? This is a megalo sickness which has gotten the whole humanity in some way. Some just go into reverse of depressions and thinking nothing about themselves, unnecessary negative things about themselves, rest of them are all bloated, thinking that they are the center of the universe. If you are not the center of the universe, if you understand you're just one tiny little creature in this existence, that this planet, this solar system itself is nothing in the universe. If it just disappears tomorrow morning, nobody will notice it. That's how insignificant the whole solar system is in the cosmos. So in that, see, it's like this. <clears throat> the solar system is a tiny speck in the cosmic space. In that tiny speck, planet Earth is a micro speck. In that micro speck, where are you, David, right now? <laughs> a, a quantum speck. <laughs> no, 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 where are you? In which oh, part of the world? Orange County, California. Thank you. Oh, California. 
So, uh, Orange County, okay. So, uh, in that tiny micro-speck of a planet, California is a super micro-speck, Orange County is a super, super micro-speck, but in that you are a big man. This is the human problem <laughs> that human beings have an unnecessarily exaggerated sense about themselves. Because of that, they are suffering. They have no sense of reality. We are just throbbing piece of life for a bit of tiny bit of time, okay? As you and me talk, right now, since we sat together, both of us are twenty-four minutes closer to the grave. <laughs> oh my goodness. And to that matter, as we finish up, time, I think, is something that people uh, really can't grasp their mindset or heart set around. Uh, they don't understand time. They're utilizing time maybe in an inefficient mechanism or as a construct against themselves. It, how do you perceive time, you know, whether it be lifetimes or the 24 hours in a day or the 24 minutes that you and I have spent together, you know, how do you perceive time and, and how can we utilize time to the, the best of, of our own joy and bliss? See, what you call as life is a combination of a certain amount of time and a certain amount of energy. This is all it is. This is the fundamental. In the local languages in India, for example, the southern Indian language, when we say somebody died, we will not say he, they died. We say Kalamaitanga, this means his time got over. Actually, that's what has happened. It's a very literal expression of what it is. Time got over. Right now, as we sit here, our time is running away. Most people don't understand this. That's why they have time for all kinds of silly things. Otherwise, if you know your time is ticking away right now, you wouldn't do anything other than what really matters to you. If every one of us were doing only what genuinely matters to us, this is a fantastic place to live. Right now, too many people are doing things which they don't care, but they keep doing it. It keeps happening, all kinds of ridiculous things. So, time is rolling. As we sit here, it's slipping. You can't slow it down, you can't hasten it, you can't control it, you can't roll it back. There is no rewind, there is no fast forward, there is no stop, there is no pause, there is no nothing, it just keeps going. So don't try to manage time, there is a way to handle time. See, time is a very relative experience. Have you noticed that on a certain day you were very happy, twenty-four hours, poof, went off like a moment. Another day you are little depressed, twenty-four hours feels like an eon. So time is a very relative experience. So, only… only miserable people can have a long life. <laughs> I if love you're that. a joyful… <laughs> if you're a joyful person, it just gets over like that. Before you know what happened, it's gone. So, the only thing you can do is to enhance your energy in such a way that what somebody does in ten years, if you can do it in one year, now if both of us live for hundred years, it feels like I have lived for thousand years. That's all we can do. So why is this important? Because in terms of our experience, in terms of our experience, the profoundness of experience is all that matters. See, right now somebody may think, no, wealth is important for me, money is important for me, family is important for me. All this we believe will give us a more profound experience of life, whether it's marriage or children or love or prayer or meditation or anything, all these are just tools for creating more profound experience of life. 
So when it comes to experience, it's the profoundness of experience. When it comes to activity, it is the impactfulness of our activity. This is all there is in our life, nothing more. Profoundness of experience, impactfulness of activity. For this to happen, the most important thing is that you are able to organize and heighten your life energies in such a way that people will start thinking you're superhuman because of the way you live. But this is not about being superhuman, this is about understanding being human is super. Oh, I love that. What a great place. Now, in America, we have a company called Craftsman and they, they make tools uh, for years and years here in America. Uh, you are the craftsman of the mystic, of the inspiration that exists. You're building tools uh, for all of us. And this guide here that we have is an absolute tool to that journey uh, that can enhance our, I think, existence. And the way that you communicate is so empowering. I'm going to have to listen, not that I'm a fan of myself, but I'm going to have to listen to my own podcast many, many times to get every nugget of, <laughs> of wisdom from you and experience. Uh, and I am just blown away. I am so grateful, Sadhguru. Is there anything else that I've left out that you'd like to share with our audience? You must read the book, David, because I have not read it. At least you read and tell me how it is. <laughs> oh, I <love> it. <laughs> Well, I all I have one request as uh, I, I will take on over a billion people for you. Uh, but please, you need to go live with me on my Instagram. It will be an incredible let's experience. Do it. I will be in United States uh, in a little while. So please let's let do me that. know. I will come see you in person. I uh, appreciate all that you do in your journey. And I am here to assist you in any way that I can, because I fully believe in what you do. And Gratitude to all. Thank you so, so much, Thank Sadhguru. You. Thank you very much, David. Fantastic. We appreciate it. This is Dave Meltzer with the but, uh, Incredible Sadhguru. You can't go back on the one billion, okay? I'm not going back. Oh, no, yeah, trust you're me. you're not going back on the one billion. I was, I was so walking on I'm, the beach. Now I'm thinking 6.5 billion. That makes me... <laughs> Done deal. Done deal. You can count on me. <laughs> my <laughs> purpose you. is greater Thank than you, my pain. Thank you so much. Sadhguru here with David Meltzer, Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.